My family recently sojourned on the beaches of sunny Florida, actually windy, foggy, somewhat cold Florida. But it was by our choice. We left the place where we belonged. We went somewhere else, uh, and we sojourned there. Sojourn can be against your will. War, conflict, political unstrife can drive people from their homes to where they become refugees. That's another kind of sojourn. Sojourn can be temporary or it can be permanent. Whatever it is, it's living and being in a place that you just really don't belong. Keep that in mind as we look at our text this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 10, we're going to read verses 12 through 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, the Lord your God, to him belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the hope that we are not to be left sojourners. I pray that in your word this morning we would see who you are and whose we are and what you intend to do. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, this weekend I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, waited till the last minute to book my hotel, which was extremely wise because it was opening day at the Braves ballpark, uh, opening weekend actually. Uh, so my hotel that normally cost $100 cost $200. Um, but that's okay. Uh, so I was in the hotel. This was Saturday morning. I had class Friday night and Saturday. I was running a little late, and I, I thought I had time to rush down to the lobby and get a cup of coffee and then get back to the room and pack up. So it's one of those weird hotels where all the action is not on the first floor. Have you ever been in one of those? It's like floor two has the star by it, but you don't notice that. Floor one is like the boiler room and you know, other uninteresting things. 
And so I'm hurrying. I get on the elevator. I push one. And man, I'm thinking about that coffee already. I'm just, I am ready for it. And uh, it, part of the elevator shaft is glass. So I see the fifth floor and the fourth floor and the third floor. I can, st- I can see the coffee. I can see the action. Second floor, second floor. And I'm on the first floor. I've, I've missed all the action and I've missed the coffee. So the door opens. And I hear down the hallway of this horrid place, the first floor, the footsteps of someone. And do you know what I did? I'm ashamed to tell you this. I pushed two as fast as I could over and over. And I remember peering out the door to see if I still had time. Then I started pushing the closed door button. Friends, that is not loving the sojourner. I was only thinking of myself and the good gift of coffee. I momentarily forgot who God is. I forgot that he had set his love on me. And I forgot that he calls me to love others. This is the story of Israel. Israel's story is a story of sojourn. Nathan alluded to it a little bit. They were a people of sojourn. We could go all the way back to to the garden. Adam and Eve, in their sin, were driven from the garden, and they became sojourners. They belonged in the presence of God in his good place that he had made for them. But their sin drove them out, and they became sojourners. Noah belonged on solid ground, but he sojourned on the ark. Abraham thought he belonged in Ur. But God said, leave your fathers, leave your country, leave your kindred, even leave your father's house and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Abraham became a sojourner. And as his family grew, as Moses alludes to in our text this morning, 70 people went down to Egypt as sojourners and they grew to a great multitude. And when Moses went to rescue them by the hand of God, they were still sojourners. Forty years wandering around in the wilderness with no home on the edge of the promised land in the plains of Moab. That's where we find ourselves this morning in Deuteronomy 10. They're on the edge of the promised land. 500 years of promise are about to come to culmination and Moses stands up to love and warn the people. In Deuteronomy 8, listen to what Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy 8. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you this day lest when you have eaten and are full and built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He's saying, don't forget who God is. And then in chapter 9, he warns them again. He says, he says look, Don't think for a second the reason that you're going into this land is because of your own righteousness. 
It's not your righteousness. Listen, do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust these nations out before you that it's because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. No, I'm driving them out because of their wickedness. And I'm driving them out for the sake of my name and the promise that I made to Abraham to give you this land. And then in chapter 10, our text this morning, Moses has another warning. It's really more a longing. It's a plea by Moses. He wants to remind them who God is, who they are, and what God requires. So open your Bibles back up if you've closed them. Get back to chapter 10. And let's look at these three things that Moses wants the people to remember. Who God is. First of all, he's the creator of all and he's the king. Look at verse 14. Behold, the Lord your God, to him belong heaven and the heavens of heavens and the earth with all that is in it. God is the creator and he is the king. He's a just God. He's a just God. Verse 17 For the Lord your God is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And he's a merciful and he's a caring God. Look in verse 18. He loves the sojourner, giving them food and clothing. And then he reminds the people who they are. Look in verse 15. This is beautiful. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You are the people that God has set his love upon. But they were also sojourners. Look in verse 19. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. That's why he tells them, you, you love the sojourner. So what does he require of the people? To love God, to fear God, to serve God. But it's at the heart level. You see, you can go through the motions when you love and serve and obey God, or at least appear to be. You know, when I was on that elevator, loving the sojourner was not... not pushing the button. That wasn't loving the sojourner, right? It might have appeared to, I could have had a smile on my face. Oh, yeah, sure. Come on to the elevator. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And in my heart thinking, would you hurry up, lady? There's coffee upstairs. That's not loving the sojourner. No, he's not talking about going through the motions. It's a heart level. Circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Love God with all your heart. Don't go through the motions. Don't love, don't obey God mechanically. Love others the way you've been loved. You were sojourners and God rescued you. So love others that same way. You see, we're, we're not that different from Israel, are we? Most of us don't feel like sojourners. Most of us here are citizens of the United States of America. A defined and at least temporarily stable nation. Right? 
Our borders seem safe. Some of you have lived in the same community in which you were born. I have a friend who just inherited the home that his father was raised in. And now he's going to raise his children in it. He probably doesn't feel like much of a sojourner. It feels like home. In your settledness, do you have any care for those who sojourn? Now, some of you are bracing for a list of obligations to the sojourners, aren't you? Admit it, because that's what I felt when I first read this passage. Oh, man, I've got to tell Mountain Fellowship what to think about. Border walls and refugee camps and all these things. Listen, those are extremely important issues, and every Christian should wrestle with them. But if you're thinking about your obligation to the sojourner, you have missed the point. It's a heart issue. God doesn't say tolerate the sojourner. He doesn't even explicitly say provide for them, although we should. We should be hospitable as the people of God, because God has been hospitable with us. He says, love the sojourner. You cannot fake that. You cannot fake love. Not forever. I was singing about this this week, and I remember a scene. I don't remember if it was my own class or if it was watching preschoolers play, I just have this image in my head of this boy who loved to play with the blocks. I, I loved to play with the blocks. My, my preschool class had these, or kindergarten class had these blocks. They looked like bricks, but they were cardboard. And man, I loved those things. I mean, and as soon as, soon as it was playtime, I went straight for them. Now, I don't remember if this little boy was me, honestly. I already confessed the elevator scene, I would tell you. But I have this, this image in my mind of this little boy who would not let anyone else play with the blocks. They were his blocks. And, and if someone came into the class, a new kid or, or some other kid that had gotten tired of something else and went to play for the blocks, it was, it was like this. It was a protection of my thing, me. I want you to imagine for just a moment that this boy is Jeff Bezos' son. And this preschool class just happens to be a preschool class that was set up for Amazon employees at the warehouse and their families. And Bezos is, this is totally false, but this is, I made this up. So, I don't want any phone calls. So, he walks in and he sees his son preventing others from enjoying the good gifts that he had put here. And he, and he goes over to his son and he, and he lovingly takes him by the arm and he walks him out of the preschool classroom 
and it opens up into the warehouse, and this Amazon warehouse is all blocks. Have you ever been in an Amazon warehouse? Imagine 60 football fields. I don't know if it's that big, but that's what it feels like. It is, it is shelves and rows and space as far as you can see in just about every direction. All blocks for this little boy. Now, what do you think he would think about those blocks that were back in the preschool room? They can have those blocks. Is that love? I mean, the other kid's got what he needs. He, he's, no, he's none the wiser. Friends, that's not love. Love is for that child to see the warehouse full of blocks and have one thought in his mind, everybody else has to see this. And he turns around, he runs back into the classroom, and he grabs the kid up from the, the minuscule pile of blocks, and he grabs the other kids, and he says, come and see, come and see what my father's prepared for us. That's love. Stop thinking about your obligation and circumcise your heart. Let the God who rescued you see that others need rescue. Are we so settled that we're not ready to say to others, come and see? You may say, a child would never do that. Do we? Are we that settled here? C.S. Lewis has a passage in Mere Christianity that the first time I read it, it changed the way I thought about the world. Listen to this. The Christian says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy this need, this longing, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. On the other hand, we must never mistake them, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country. We were made for another place. Listen, are you anxious this morning?
There are many reasons to be anxious. But there's one really good reason. You are not home. You are not settled. And you don't belong here. Jesus knew that. That is why he became the sojourner of sojourners. You know, if, if Nathan comes over to my house for dinner and decides to stay for the, the night, and maybe he stays the next day, and we have another meal, and his family comes, you know, that's sort of a sojourn. Now, he lives on the front of the mountain, and I live on the back of the mountain, but he doesn't really belong there. Eventually, I'm going to make him go home. If, if, if Nathan and I have a friend from high school, he comes to Signal Mountain and we meet at Pruitt's, well, Nathan and I are both sort of home. And the other friend is sojourning. If there really is intelligent life on other planets, and they were to show up here, all distinctions would disappear, Right? Front of mountain, back of mountain, not, would not matter. South Carolina, Signal Mountain. That's not a distinction anymore. Germany, United States. The distinctions are paling. The, the, the distinction is from somewhere else, from this planet. Of all the sojourners that we had ever come in contact with, this alien would be the sojourner. That pales into comparison of the sojourning that Jesus Christ did when he took on human flesh. You see, where the Son of God belongs is in the bosom of the Father, in the eternal love and relationship and joy of the Holy Trinity with the Father and the Spirit. That's where Jesus belonged. But he knew we were sojourning. He knew that we were not home yet. And so he left that blessed relationship. And he became human flesh, took on the form of a servant. And as Nathan told us earlier, you know, with Jesus it's hard to tell, is he the sojourner or the host? Because even as he sojourned, he was feeding us and healing and proclaiming that the kingdom was at hand. Who is God? Who is this God that we serve? He's the one who leaves all comfort to suffer for his people and to bring them home. Who are we? We're the ones on whom he set this amazing love. And what he calls us to do is to love and serve him and meet the needs of others, yes, but to tell the world, come and see what the Father has prepared for us. I want you to turn to John 14. Jesus says something beautiful that we probably don't believe. 
John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. We, we don't know the way to where you're going. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lash me to the ship that Jesus is sailing because he's sailing me home. That's the only ship I want to be in or on. Storm, shipwreck. Whatever comes, put me on the ship that Jesus is on. Lash me to the mast and point me to the Father's house. That's where I want to go. Come and see. I invite you. Come and see that Jesus Christ is the one who will lead you home to your true country. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the hope that a sojourning God came to rescue a sojourning people that where you are, we will eternally be also. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.